This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You're listening to an irreverent podcast. For more unholy content from our friends, head to irreverent.fm. Hey friends, welcome to the Speaking in Church podcast. My name is Josie. My name is Spencer. And Spencer, why don't you tell us who we got today? Who's our friend of the day? So this week we have um, my friend, Bethany Geringer. Um, I actually got the pleasure of working with Bethany at a summer camp. Um, and so as you've noticed from the title of this podcast, Modest is Hottest, we will be talking about purity culture tonight. Um, so just going to do a little content warning, trigger warning, whatever you'd call it. Um, we will be talking about purity culture. We will also be touching on abuse both in and outside of the church and the implications of purity culture surrounding that. So if that's something that you're working through, like a bunch of us, um, feel free to skip it. We're not going to have our feelings hurt if you have to skip that on this episode. We just want you to take care of yourself. So uh, without further ado, uh, my friend Bethany, she has an undergraduate degree, a double major in children and family ministries and biblical studies from Northwest University, which is right outside of Seattle, Washington. She currently works as a youth program coordinator as a resident at a residential recovery program for women coming from addiction, abuse, and homelessness. Homelessness. Uh, the women going through the program get to have their kids there with them. So she does developmental programs for the kids and youth that live in the facility. So I'd like you all to welcome my friend, Bethany Geringer. Thanks for having me. <laughs> you're so welcome. We're so glad you're here. Yeah, um, we're stoked. <laughs> So, uh, Bethany, uh, you and I have had a lot of conversations over, mm-hmm. over the last year. I think we've just kind of like yeah. connected on Instagram a lot more and because you still live in the Seattle area and I mm-hmm. obviously live in California. Um, but it's kind of funny. You started posting these memes and I was like, wait, a minute. <laughs> I think Bethany's kind of liberal. And oh, we started, <laughs> we started having these conversations and now I feel like on the daily, we're like sending each other so much stuff and having great conversations. So fellow liberal christian gotta find (laughs) enough so thankful for that um so if you just want to start off by telling us a little about your church background and um growing up in purity culture when did that start for you and yeah just go ahead and share well okay so my church background is mostly um assemblies of god which um I've heard Josie talk about that a little bit on the podcast. So same girl, same. <laughs> um, <laughs> ager. Um, so the Assemblies of God, if you don't know very much about it, is kind of this, at least my experience, this weird mix of Pentecostalism and legalism at the same time. 
Um, and so on one hand, you're really expected to, you know, experience God and like experience the Holy spirit. But then on the other hand, you're also very much expected to like follow very strict rules, whether that be like who you're hanging out with or what you wear or, you know, just <laughs> basically every single aspect of your life. Um, so that's what I was raised in mostly. Um, and then, also, my dad was in the military, so we moved around a lot. Um, and so also attended some military chapels, but we went to like the very Pentecostal ones. Like um, there was one that was literally just called the gospel service. And um, I had never like seen anything like it. One day in the middle of the um, sermon, our pastor just got blessed, which I'd never seen before. And she got up from the pulpit and literally just started running around the sanctuary. And I was like, okay, we're doing this. Like, interesting. Um, so that's kind of my church background um, is Assemblies of God. Um, experiencing purity culture, I would say definitely all throughout my childhood and growing up, uh, I experienced it um, just in the things that I was taught in the way that definitely in the way I was raised as well. Um, in my family, it was expected that, you know, we would all dress modestly and we were taught um, how to do that and what not to wear and what to wear. Um, and almost, almost taught to look down on people that, um, you know, were not following those, those same rules as us. Um, and I think I internalized a lot of that. Um, and I think I'm still working through that today, just in, you know, examining what I wear and how I'm viewing other people and how I'm viewing myself. I'm definitely still um, learning how to do that every day, but that's a little bit of my background. Girl, I can relate like nobody's <laughs> business right now. Yeah. I um, <laughs> I was helping our pastor film the other day mm -hmm. and I told her, I was like, Sarah, you, I have to just tell you this because I keep thinking this, but you you preaching right now with your shoulders exposed is making me really uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. In a like a subconscious way and just like yeah. a, oh my gosh, why do I just like, oh gosh. Um, like why yeah. do I notice that? Because you were taught to notice it. Yeah. And I mean, I just remember the time my parents were on the worship team and my mom wanted to change the rules so she could wear pants while she was singing oh. up there. And it was a whole situation. Wow. And it was just... I get the running around. I, mm. <laughs> yeah. PTSD, man. PTSD. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so when you talk about sort of like looking down on others, did, mm -hmm. so like, I just remember like my, my mom making comments and we weren't like, my mom was pretty like, like she would say things like modest is hottest and like right. mostly in a joking way, but there was sort of this expectation of, because I am a, uh, I have big boobs, guys. I just don't know other way to say it. Like, <laughs> always have, always will sort of thing. And so just dressing my body. But my mom would make kind mm. of joking comments of like, oh my gosh, like, don't dress like a hussy. Like, mm. did your mom make comments like that of like choice words? <laughs> oh, my uh, mom straight up called me a whore multiple times. It's fine. Oh, <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know if I ever heard like those words specifically like directed at me, but more of the um 
the feeling of it, if that makes sense. Like, for example, if I was wearing something that was like, quote unquote, like too revealing, my parents would call me into their room and say, Hey, you know, those shorts are too tight or that top is too low. Like I'm going to need you to go and change before we leave. Um, and so it was just kind of like, Oh, <laughs> like it just was a lot of shame. And then I think it was also, um, if, even if like we had friends over and they weren't dressing modestly, my parents asked them to change. Like that was just what happened at our house. Did your mom just have a <laughs> basket of clothes for your friends? Like, I'm so cute. Oh my God. <laughs> um, I think she made them borrow my clothes or like if they were spending the night, like I specifically remember one time my friend spent the night and she wore leggings, which was like, Oh, that's too much. Um, and so my mom like made her change into a longer shirt to cover her butt because apparently leggings were not good for us to see. I don't know. <laughs> no, dude, I feel that because I don't, I didn't, it's also Christian, but it's also like Hispanic culture yeah. is this notion of like, you can't walk around in your underwear in your own home because you don't want your dad to see you like that. Yeah. And it's like, that about? <laughs> that's, that's my daddy. Like, I don't know. Exactly. It's weird. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's I comfortable in your own home to wear mm -hmm. whatever you where <laughs> I think yeah like there's a there's a I don't know like there's a line I guess too of just like I don't know, I think I went to visit my parents a few weeks ago mm -hmm. um very safely we followed COVID um, nice. but my sister who's a teenager you know she walks around like in sweatpants and a sports bra right. and like I don't think that's weird my dad doesn't think it's weird but I mm -hmm. know certain people that would be like oh my god I can't believe she does that or like even like right. like when like my I don't know. Like, I just think about like when we were getting ready for my wedding, for example, like my brothers were around and same thing. She's like getting her hair done, like in a sports bra or like whatever. And we don't right. think it's weird because we're just, I don't know. It's like family. Yeah. It's like it's not, it's not that weird, but some people are like, oh my yeah. gosh. But then I also think there is that double standard because I mean, it could also just be because I grew up and I was more of like, was on the chubby side. I would never walk around my house in a sports bra, but I right. think that has way more to do with my insecurities than mm -hmm. my parents being like, you can't do that, you know? Right. But I, right. I, I understand the mentality of like, oh my gosh, like you need to change your clothes. Like family's coming over. And I always thought that was so weird. Yeah, that seems a little strange. I think for my parents, it was like they felt that they were protecting my brothers by um, having my friends, quote unquote, cover up. Um, so that was their reasoning behind it. But I'm like, I think my brothers are just fine. Like <laughs> they can survive seeing a woman wearing leggings. So they're going to be fine. So but one of the one of the books that I got as a teenager that like it was like a mm -hmm. dating book it was called dateable um by um Haley DeMarco and Justin Lookadoo it's called dateable okay. y'all should look it up I I shared <laughs> some stuff on my Instagram once of like crazy uh -huh. stuff in the book but one yeah. of the crazy things I'm flipping through it today to talk about and literally one of the things in the book says think about your grandfather because all of his old friends are looking at you when you wear that tight shirt. I know it's gross, it's the truth. And I was just rereading that. I was like, are you kidding me? Like no. Spencer read this book and was like, yeah, that makes so much sense. And I'm just like, ew, no, that is not, no way. That is not what happens. Are you kidding me right now? Yeah, also tell me why as a parent, you're allowing these old ass men to look at your kid and not telling them yeah. anything exactly like i feel like that statement just gives those men permission to be like well they weren't wearing enough clothes so i get to look at her in this way and it also gives you the expectation that they are looking at you that way 
Wow. And, and so you <laughs> talked about like protecting your brothers. I think that feeds into as women, we were taught like all of the responsibility was on us. Like exactly. It, exactly. it was my, it was my job to make sure that I didn't have cleavage showing or a bra right. strap hanging out when I right. went to youth group or when I was at church mm-hmm. camp and yeah, like it just so much is ingrained into being our responsibility that I, um, I asked my sister if I could share this story and she, she wanted me to, because, um, the first time she ever went to church camp, she was like 13 or 14, maybe. And I was home from college for a little bit during the summer. And I took her to target and we're trying to find a swimsuit for church camp. And my sister, she does have somewhat of bigger breasts, but nothing crazy. And she was trying on very modest one piece swimsuits, but Mm. because she thought that there was some sort of cleavage or like her boobs were too like accentuated, like she broke down in tears in the target dressing room. And Mm. she, and she was just like, nothing is modest. Like I can't wear anything to church camp. And I like in that moment was just gutted because I'm like a 13 year old girl should not be afraid of her body because of the way it exists or the way that it's growing. Like we want to mm-hmm. emphasize of, Oh, like we're God's creation and you're fearfully and wonderfully made. But this girl is terrified of the way her body looks because of mm-hmm. the strict rules that are placed on girls, especially in youth group culture of we're going to yep. camp and you have to wear shorts and a shirt. If you don't have a modest swimsuit or right. oh my gosh, like you can't wear that, even though it's a million degrees outside, like your shorts are too short. Sorry. You have to go yeah. change. Yeah. And the rules almost every time that I was at like church camp or something where people were wearing swimsuits, the rules were always for the women. Like there was never rules for the guys. And if there was, it was kind of like a joke. I remember one time somebody wrote in there like, oh, guys can't bring Speedos. And it's like, they weren't going to anyway. And yes. everyone just laughed about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's never like, oh, the guys have to wear t-shirts because the women are like, can't stop looking at them. Like that was never mm-hmm. a thing. <laughs> I remember thinking a tankini was scandalous. Like, are you kidding? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I, yes, like going to church camp and wanting to wear, because again, like I was a bigger girl. I wasn't necessarily comfortable in my body. So I didn't want to wear a one piece. So I bought, my mom bought me like the girl version of like board shorts. So they were like, they were a little bit shorter than to the knee, but they weren't so short that I was like, oh my gosh. And then, yeah, I had like a tankini top and there was like a slight gap between the short and where the top ended. And I was so afraid. And my mom's like, they can't see your belly button or anything. You're not Mm -hmm. like hanging out, but I was like terrified. And so on the beach at at church camp, I was wearing a t-shirt pretty much all day because I was terrified. Yeah. Oh, you just made me remember um, this one. I went on a youth group trip. I think it was 14 or 15. And we had a day where we went to the water park. And I remember right as we pulled in, our youth pastor like stopped the bus and like literally there was guys and girls on the bus, but he like gave this pep talk only to the guys. And he was like, listen up, guys, we're going to be at a water park there's going to be girls in bikinis and everyone was like, Oh no. And then he was like, you know what you have to do? Bounce your eyes. Yeah. (laughs) You have to bounce your eyes. You're going to want to stare at them. You're going to want to look at them, but you just have to bounce your eyes. And I was sitting there thinking like, what, what in the world? Like what, what I just didn't know how to comprehend it at that point. Um, and I remember that day I, 
had brought my swimsuit to wear, but I wore my t-shirt the whole time because I was like, well, if we're with these group of men that apparently can't help, but stare at these women and like think sexual things about them, no way am I going to wear a swimsuit? Like I'm keeping my t-shirt on if that's what's on, you know? So you had mentioned that your mom taught modesty classes. So we we know that she made your friends change and she made you change. So (laughs) tell me what a modesty class is. Okay. I would just like to say before we get into this, I love my mom. (laughs) She's a great person. Um, I don't like bash her or anything. We still have, I feel like we have a great relationship, but I definitely did not agree with these uh, modesty classes that she taught. I I think this is... I, sorry, yeah. I, I just think this is a good place to put in that I yeah. I think in general when talking about purity culture, like we're going to do a lot of bashing, but I think right. in the heart of it, like your mom and youth leaders, I know I have a relationship right. with my um, my like high school Bible study leader. We still have a relationship now as an adult. And mm-hmm. I know from her perspective, and I'm sure from your mom's perspective too, right. there was never any ill intentions. Like they exactly. genuinely thought they were doing what was best exactly. and what, what they felt the Lord was calling them. So right. even though we are going to call out like cycles of abuse and things that are really damaging to mm-hmm. women, especially, I want to just reiterate that we're not... Yeah we don't hate the church as a whole and we don't hate these people. They had good intentions. So, yeah, but also let's examine what these things actually did to us so that yes. they don't continue to happen to other people. Yes. Um, yeah. So modesty classes, if you've never been to one, it's not a great time <laughs> to put that out there. Uh, so my mom was in most of the churches we went to, she was a middle school uh, youth leader. Um, and so a lot of times would volunteer to be the one to teach like the modesty or purity class. Um, and then sometimes we would also have them in our house. Um, I'm not really sure why most of the times it was at the church, but I remember a specific time it was at our church, um, or sorry, at our house. And she had invited this, these group of girls over from, um, our homeschool group. So woohoo. And, um, I think we were like 13 or 14. And so it always started off with like, you are like precious made in the image of God. Like he formed you in your mother's womb, all this stuff. Like you're a beautiful woman. And then it was like, and, uh, here's exactly how you should wear these clothes. And all of, we learned like all of these rules basically about like what you're supposed to wear and what you're not supposed to like exactly, you know, how many, uh, fingertip lengths from your neck, your, um, your shirt, your, um, cleavage should be or whatever your shirt should be like how um how tight can your shirt be um are your pants too tight like all these different weird rules um about what you should wear and I remember the specific time where we had the class in our house this girl came that had never been there before she didn't know anybody in the group and she was wearing a shirt that was like maybe a little bit low cut but I just remember my mom said something and she immediately like her eyes got so big and she like pulled up the tank top that was under her shirt because she just felt so insecure and I was like thinking about that today of like well that's that's pretty much what we we were taught just like don't show anything and like you better follow all these rules or everybody else in the circle is going to be looking down on you um and yeah these classes like (laughs) I just uh, I'm just glad that I don't have to go to them anymore and um I if I ever have kids I'm not teaching them that so (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
and you you had told me there there was a book that she used yes yeah so there was uh this lady named Dana Gresh, she had this whole ministry that was called secret keeper girl ministries. And the idea was like, you're keeping this secret of like your beauty or your femininity, uh, for your husband. And that's, you know, a secret that you need to keep. Um, and so she has, she has this book called, I believe it's called, uh, the delicate power of modesty. And it basically was the curriculum that my mom used in these classes. I think the part from that that sticks out to me the most is I remember this drawing in the book that we would read and it was like two kind of curved lines and a dot and you're supposed to look at it and say oh if you just look at it what is that and it kind of looks like a person jumping and so the idea was you know, men, when they look at something naturally are going to complete a picture or just a human being naturally are going to complete a picture. So if you show a little bit of your skin, or if you wear something that's a little bit too revealing, a man is naturally going to complete the picture, which is apparently you with no clothes on. Um, And I think that's the part that I internalize the most. And that like, still honestly sticks with me to this day. And it like, honestly like scares me sometimes I'm like oh my gosh did I like wear something that was a little too revealing and now this man is like accidentally gonna look at me like this um I think that's the part that yeah it just honestly kind of messed me up and then I was you know because we're doing this podcast was recently looking up secret keeper girl ministries and apparently they changed their name um to true girl ministries because Mm -hmm. Uh, I was reading this article and people were coming up to Dana Gresh at these conferences that she was doing and they were in tears because they felt like, you know, if they had been abused or assaulted or anything that they had to keep it a secret um, because of because of these messages that they were getting. So they've changed their name. I doubt that they've changed their messaging. Um but it I feel like that just goes to show that their entire message honestly was just like keeping girls in shame and was not honestly was not helping anybody if we're being honest when you had originally told me about secret keeper Mm -hmm. girls i was like i don't i like have never heard of that and so i googled it it came up as true girl and i i'm like 99 percent sure my younger sister had like a like a Mm -hmm. tween like a uh eight to twelve year old like true girl Bible study thing. And so, and yeah, like just the artwork of it, I was like, wait, I'm like 99% sure my sister had this. So it was was pretty big, (laughs) at least in the circles I was in. So, yeah, I think that, I think that's one of the things that because I, because I didn't become a Christian till later, like middle school, high school, I got like, I got the message of purity culture because, because I was at the age where it was like, now we're going to talk to kids about sex, but that's sort of yeah. the thing that I skipped <laughs> over of like the, the ingraining from such a young age of like, yeah. we're going to yeah. start kids at like seven years old with these, yeah. like, with these, uh, Bible studies, devos or whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. And they're just so ingrained in that. Yeah, I was definitely taught like, because my mom was uh, like a youth group leader, even when I was a kid, you know, I'd be sitting in the class and or just overhear stuff. And I definitely started internalizing it like as early as like eight or nine. And, you know, at that point, like you should just be comfortable with your body and it shouldn't be a big deal because you are literally a child. 
Um, but when you're taught from such a young age that like your body is dangerous or that men are always going to be looking at you this certain way, um, you know, it's, it's not great when you become a teenager and then suddenly have a body and you're like, Oh shoot, like <laughs> what am I supposed to do? You know? Yeah. And I think, um, exactly what you said of like, you're like you're internalizing so much of, did I do something wrong? Like, right. And so this, the same book that I read earlier, there's another, so this book was written by a man and a woman and it was meant okay. for, it was meant for both genders. And it was supposed to all be about teenage dating and how teenage yeah. dating isn't bad. As long as you like follow these rules, that okay. sort of thing. Um, but in, so this is another quote that is literally, it's literally in this book. Um, when the mm-hmm. podcast goes live, I'm going to post screenshots from this book. Cause it's wild. <laughs> first of all there's little drawings so there's a there's like a girl wearing a crop top and like low-cut jeans see her belly button and then there's a and then there's a fish hook like they're hooking something on and it says a guy will have a tendency to treat you like you are dressed if you are Uh, if you are dressed like a flesh buffet don't be surprised when he treats you like a piece of meat no that's literally in a book men for teenagers men for teenage girls yes no way yeah the um amount Uh, of patriarchal (laughs) bullshit that we were taught as children yeah in these churches is insane what a mess can you imagine like now if you have a child telling your boy like well i can't imagine why you would want to rape her if she was dressed like a hooker like can you imagine oh my goodness I like just, that mentality is so yeah outdated it's like the brock turner thing right like three months in jail because he was a rich little white kid right who liked to swim mm-hmm. and i and i think that's like so we were internalized like we were taught these things and internalized that we're responsible for men's actions yes. but then on the same token i don't know if, if this was something that you were taught but like another book that i read in like mm-hmm. a small group in high school was called authentic beauty by leslie ludy i think that's how you say it. it's l-u-d-y Thanks. and um so literally the whole it's similar to secret keeper girls and it's talking okay. about like this sort of like feminine beauty and like purity mm-hmm. and like keeping that mi- like it's like mystic and like you want to keep the mystery but right. it also yeah. but it also dives into this sort of like like that fairy tale, like the, oh, you're a princess, but in the book, the prince is Jesus. (laughs) So (laughs) so literally the whole thing is like talking about how, like, if you want to be a true princess, like you have to fall in love with the prince, which is Jesus, which I'm like, okay, like that's, it's, it's like problematic, but at the same time, I guess I kind of understand it. But if uh-huh. you told a boy to fall in love with Jesus, like, I guess they would be like, that's weird. So that's <laughs> where I'm, this is where I'm yeah. like, okay, like gender roles are weird. And yeah, right. there's a part, so there's a part in the book where it's comparing, it's comparing okay. intimacy with Jesus to like not being pure. And so it sets this stage of like, if you like, basically like if you want to be intimate with Jesus, like you have to be pure and you have to like rid your life of like distractions. And so it sets it up with, it's like, so it's your wedding night and you and your husband are waving to your friends and family and you're saying goodbye. You're pulling away from the church because of course Uh you got married in a church. 
Yeah. Of and you, you roll up to the hotel and your husband carries you across the threshold and he kisses oh, you and he sits you on the bed and it's everything you've waited for. And then all of a sudden you notice that you're surrounded by trash and your and your ex boy your ex boyfriend is standing in the corner and he's like hey baby and your husband's like I can't be with you and he leaves the room and left sobbing and she's like that's what it's like when you have trash in your life and you can't focus on Jesus like what man would want to be intimate with you when you can't focus on him and you've had like a dirty life and I'm just like what oh, my no. partner is very happy. <laughs> let me tell you got a lot of trash up in my business and oh my gosh i this dude is great (laughs) so similar to what bethany said you know i some of these books i don't know why the heck i still had them i do remember using some of them at apu like when i was getting my degree and was taking some like youth men classes like i use them for those like as examples of like hey we shouldn't like you shouldn't do this you shouldn't talk about this this. and so yeah so some of these books they've been in they've been in storage since i like left apu and recently like unpacking like books and stuff in our new apartment and Mm -hmm. me being like why do i still have this and so yeah like looking through them and just seeing these stuff that i'm like dang there's a lot of this stuff that i blocked out because it was just too wild for me (laughs) yes I definitely did the same thing. I was reading through the um, Secret Keeper Girl book these past couple weeks, and I could—I <laughs> was honestly shocked reading parts of it. I could not believe that was what I was taught because I think, honestly, I blocked a lot of it from my mind. Um, I did have one quote that I <laughs> would like to read and maybe um, have us discuss because yes. I think it's a little, little ridiculous. Um, so she's talking about, you know, women wearing immodest clothes. And she says, if a guy sees a girl walking around in tight clothes or a mini skirt, she might as well hang a noose around the neck of his spiritual life. It's not just fashion. If it's a constant source of spiritual failure for men. What? (laughs) Um, This like reminds me of a lot of it's funny all of my purity culture trauma comes from when i'm like yeah. older okay I think because i just didn't pay attention to it as a kid because i already kind of dress weird but modest and because uh, i like to be comfortable i'm not gonna wear a miniskirt yeah. that's uncomfortable right but i just rem- like all of these things remind me of when i'm in college or i'm already 18 17 whatever i am hanging out with my male friends and they're like oh Josie you can hang out with because my group of guy friends my group of friends from church were all mostly guys yeah and like Josie we can all hang out together and that's great you're one of us and blah 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 but if we hang out individually we have to be careful about the perception that we're giving other people oh gosh and all I could like know to say was like dude don't fucking flatter yourself all right I think everybody knows that I'm not interested in any of you right now (laughs) all right (laughs) tell them (laughs) Or like you can't have a meeting with the pastor by yourself because of the perception of it. And I'm Uh like, Uh you think very little of both men and women. If you think that I'm over here trying to get with some old guy and this old guy (laughs) is because I mean, if he is, it's a different issue. I I think what started as a, what was supposed to be a protection for women, which was like, don't meet alone with men uh, turned into people taking it 
almost like legalism. Like you can never be alone in a room with a man. You can never like ride in a car alone with a man or everyone's going to think you're sleeping together. Like, where did that come from? It's like Mike Pence. He can't meet alone with a woman because he's married. Like you are the vice president of the United States of America. You're surrounded by powerful women that have Uh, to meet with you. This is your job. I always have like... Okay, I just like okay, so I remember being in youth group and I didn't I didn't have a car and I lived pretty far from the church, so I would get rides from different people. And there was one kid that lived similar to like not in the same neighborhood, but he lived a few streets away, sort of thing. And so he was taking me home from youth group one night. But he was taking another kid home and he went out of his way to take me home first because he didn't want to be alone in a car with me because he's like, oh, that's disrespectful. And I don't want people to think the wrong thing. And I thought that was like so weird. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, you're literally going out of your way. Like you're wasting gas. Like we're broke ass teenagers. Like, why are you doing this? And then fast forward to I'm, I'm in college. I'm a grown adult and I'm, I'm working at this church and again, I don't have a car. I usually would take the bus or the Metro or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we're doing this event at church and it's like pouring down rain. And so the buses are like backed up and there's traffic yeah. everywhere. And one of the pastors that I was working with, he was like, I'm just going to drive you home. And I remember being like, Oh my God, like we're in a car. And then being like, wait a minute, this isn't weird. Like he's not a weird person. Like I trust him. Like I know his yeah. wife, like I know his kids. Like right. why did I grow up being told this was weird? Like he's literally taking me home because it's pouring rain and he doesn't want me to stand at a bus stop for an hour in the rain like that's a kind thing to do but the church is like oh my god you can't do that and i'm like are you (laughs) right now like we're both grown-ass adults like this is silly yeah it's literally only weird because we make it weird (laughs) like we've been told like that's not okay and so we're like oh no don't get in the car (laughs) honestly i'm just like i just I don't understand. And it, I, <laughs> I don't know. Go back to the comment about like tying a noose around oh, your spiritual life. That is go- first of all, so offensive. <laughs> so yes. dramatic too. Like what? <laughs> and, and again, calm down. <laughs> it's just playing in. It just plays again into the idea that why is everything our fault? Like, why is yeah. me existing? Like, <laughs> why how did this become my fault like okay here's the other thing too imagine you're imagine you're a new i had friends that that were new christians that came to church and their parents didn't go to church imagine you're a new christian and you uh your parents don't have a lot of money and you know you maybe go school shopping for clothes once a year and so you go shopping at the end of the year you pick out your short shorts your crop tops like because you're doing you girl and it's whatever And then all of a sudden you start going to youth group with your friends and youth group is telling you, oh my God, you dress like a whore. And you're like, I need to get new clothes, but your parents can't afford new clothes. Like you're stuck in this rock and a hard place of like, I, the church is telling me I'm doing something bad, but like, I feel guilty asking my mom, who's just like struggling to make it like, mom, can you take me to buy new clothes? Because the church says I dress terribly. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So awful. Um, my church growing up, this was before I was in youth group. So I was still like the children's ministry and stuff. But I, I remember hearing about this. They had this like bin of old t-shirts. And if a girl came into youth group wearing something, quote unquote, a little too revealing or like a bunch of cleavage, they would give her one of the t-shirts and make her wear it until she left. 
That's like high school dress code. Excuse me? Like we're a church. Like, aren't we supposed to be the people that are accepting and, you know, not being judgmental, judgmental to everyone? Like, how is that girl going to feel? She's not going to want to come back. Mm -hmm. Like, what, what are we teaching them? Yeah. It's so weird. I mean, as a, somebody who was a youth group leader for a little while, I don't remember ever noticing what these kids were wearing. Right. I mean, I didn't have like cute middle-class kids either. Like my kids were just, you know, whatever. And mm-hmm. I don't remember what they wore. I, they wore clothes. They weren't naked. <laughs> right. <laughs> None of us were ever tempted by these children as adults. <laughs> like, exactly. It was so I, yeah. weird. And I would pick up, like, if a kid needed a ride home, it didn't matter what gender they were. They just had to get home. And I was yeah. there. It was so weird. It's weird. Yeah. Yes. Very weird. <laughs> <laughs> like being on this end of everything, I'm like, what were these people thinking? Like this whole time, yeah. like I'm a child and you're policing what I'm like, why are you looking at me? Don't look at me. Just mind your business. That, yes. Yeah. So, okay. So we're in this conversation of modesty and purity culture. So I feel like right. that for women, that's the start of it, of being modest. I highly doubt that any of our brothers receive talks about how to dress modestly. Probably not. <laughs> so, so okay. <laughs> but then, but then what happens is you get to this age where all of a sudden, like, I don't know if this was just me, but like sex is like the number one topic. Like, and not even just like, oh, we're like, everybody's talking about it at school. Like I went to public school and like, yeah, people talked about sex, but like, right. it was not the topic of conversation that like the church made me think it was going to be <laughs> like, I, so we're going to lead it. We're going to lead into, uh, we're, so Bethany and I experienced what's called silver ring thing. Oh, um, if you are unfamiliar with, uh, evangelical culture not even just evangelical like so many church cultures have purity Uh, pledges or like purity rings so silver ring thing was a a traveling youth conference i was like a a hip-hop and rock conference mixed with like comedy and so it started fun fact it started in good old yuma arizona in 1995 that was the year i was born oh my gosh so the people that started silver ring things started it because actually in the nineties, uh, Yuma, Arizona had like the highest teen pregnancy rate in the whole, in like the whole country. And so again, good intentions. These people have these good intentions of, Hey, like we need to reach out to high schoolers and even middle schoolers. And like, we need to get to the bottom of this because like, yeah. we can't, we don't want this. Like we don't want to have the highest teen pregnancy rate. Um, STDs right. were also really, really rampant, um, mm. in Yuma. And so they're like, Hey, like, what are we going to do? Like, let's start silver ring thing like let's do this and so they made (laughs) so they made uh these purity rings and they um oh they had a thessalonians verse let me look up the verse but i'll keep talking about it so they started these conferences and it was like college age and other young adults like mostly college age but some of them were like older married had kids Mm -hmm. and they would tour the country and they would tell kids like why abstinence is great and like god's design which again like those sound like great intentions because they didn't want to prevent teen pregnancy and abstinence but what happened is when i experienced it for the first time as a sixth grader um i remember walking in (laughs) We're walking into the, it wasn't at my church. It was at a different church, but we all went and literally the first thing, like we're sitting in a row and the guy comes out and he's like, all right, everybody ready. We're going to yell. Sex is great. 
And you have all of these like middle school and high schoolers yelling, sex is great. And then he goes, when you're married. Yeah. What? And that just sets the scene of sex is great when you're married, which again, like if you, if, um, you know, every, a lot of people have different views of this. If you hold, if you hold the idea that premarital sex is wrong, then yes, you're going to promote that marriage in the con or sex in the context of marriage is great. And it's the only way it's the holy way, whatever you want to say. Um, and that's totally fine. Right. And so, um, silver ring thing like promoted this and the other thing that it really promoted was that virginity was like the most precious thing that you had especially why they had the purity rings right yes and especially um it was almost like 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 marriage was the end goal oh yeah that was definitely emphasize so much so i was actually watched some videos of like skits today from silver ring thing uh-huh. um just to get a refresher because i remember I some blocked, things I blocked um, it from my memory. yes but so <laughs> the one of the things that stuck out in a lot of the videos is word for word virginity is the best gift you can give to your spouse the wow. best gift and as somebody who is who was recently married, obviously I'm not a marriage expert, but yeah. I can guarantee 100% that virginity is not the best gift um, I could give uh-huh. to my husband. It is a emotional, spiritual, uh, yeah. and like physical uh, maturity, just all around like having a uh-huh. maturity of who I am, not virginity. Um, and so that was just something that was crazy um bethany you want to talk talk about the chainsaw (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh the chainsaw um yeah going off of what you said they definitely were just like elevating like marriage and like not having sex to like the that was like put on a pedestal to the extreme um i (laughs) literally the only, almost the only thing that I remember from when Silver Ring thing came to my youth group is I think I was in high school at this point, and we were like one of the bigger churches in the area, so it was like everyone, all the other youth groups came to ours, and so it was this huge r- room full of teenagers, and they're talking about you know stay a virgin, blah blah blah, and literally this guy like comes running on stage with a chainsaw, and splits this piece of wood in half, and they're like that's your heart when it gets broken when you have sex and I was like what (laughs) excuse me like where did that come from (laughs) like uh I I was I was honestly scared I was like get this chainsaw away from me first of all and stop telling me this (laughs) and then (laughs) to make it even worse so there were a lot of kids that like didn't come with their youth leaders and the entire time this thing was going on there were kids making out in the back the whole time like (laughs) so I was like this message is not getting across to anybody like (laughs) it just didn't work well and and the what I remember about the chainsaw too so yeah they like freaking hack up this like wooden part and then and then they're like okay like we're gonna put it back together so they like glue it back together but it's like all raggedy and they're like they're like god can heal anything and god can like god (laughs) can put yes they're like god can put your heart back together like but it'll never be the same you're still gonna have bruises and scars and and you don't want to give that to your spouse right and i was just like wait a minute wait a minute i learned in church that 
Yeah, I'm like, I learned in church last week that God makes, like, Jesus dying on the cross literally makes all things new. Yeah. So wouldn't that mean that I would get, like, a brand new pretty heart? But you're telling me that that is not what's going to happen, so. Yeah, that was, that was all message it was like I remember at the end of any sort of like purity talk in youth group or anything they were like don't have sex be a virgin only do it when you get married and then they're like well if you've messed up God still loves you and they always like tag that on the end but like you know just in case there's somebody out there who's had sex like we we don't want to like exclude you like God still loves you but it was also like "Mm, does he really though probably not like that's what I got and they and they did at Silver Ring thing in particular. They had like I remember I don't they would do they would do starting over stories. So it'd be like oh. a college kid come on stage and talk about how they used to drink and party and they had sex in high school, but then they met Jesus and so right. they recommitted. Like hmm. started wearing a purity ring and they're like it's a daily reminder of my future wife or my future husband and I'm gonna start over. And I'm like okay that's all good and dandy, but again, there's like this conflicting message of they're going to have someone come up here and be like, Jesus totally changed my life. Like I'm not going to do any of this stuff anymore. But then you just hacked up my heart with a chainsaw and said that Jesus will, Jesus will restore it, but you're still going to be damaged, like damaged goods, like Mm -hmm. such conflicting messages. Also, why were the people that gave testimonies about being like coming back to Jesus? Why were they always men? There was like no women hardly that would be like, I slept around, but you know, I love Jesus now. It's always the dudes. At Silver Ring thing, I guys i don't know well and i remember this one vividly this is probably i went to silver ring thing maybe two or three times okay um, yeah because for time. yeah for whatever reason we just kept going back even though i like oh, had God. a ring but i think it was the <laughs> second one I, <laughs> I think it was the second one i went to they and it's honestly it was it was heartbreaking because i just feel like i feel like they they definitely like um monetized monopolized whatever the word is like for this yeah, world they did this girl gave a testimony about getting pregnant in high school and about having an yeah. abortion and like having an abortion. Oh, and yeah. I just like looking back on it now, like it just is, it wrecks me. It wrecks me that, that something is so personal, like that it would be like, and I get it. Like if she really much is like, I want to share this story because it can impact somebody. Then mm-hmm. I totally understand that. But, but I also think like this girl couldn't have been more than 20 years old, 21 maybe. And so yeah. that's really hard of just like this 20 something year old girl is just trying to figure out her life. She takes mm-hmm. an internship with this ministry. It's doing great things. She's really into it. And she yeah. has to tell this story over and over again. A story that's, that's very painful and yeah, and using it as a scare tactic. Like it's supposed to be a, re- it's supposed to be this redemption story of, I met Jesus and my life changed and I'm so glad she did, but it's used to tell teenagers, this is why you shouldn't have sex because you don't want to get pregnant and have an abortion like me. Like, gosh, it's so. ah. Yeah. And that just goes back, I think again, to like the double standard of like the stories from the men were totally different. And it was also almost kind of like, well, they were kind of cool. They were having sex, but now, Oh yeah. You know, they were always the cool guy. Yeah, it's like wow, how shameful! Like no one should ever do the, anything like that. Totally um, different. 
message. For context, I found the verse that's inscribed on these okay. rings. Oh, so gosh, it's first Thessalonians, first Thessalonians chapter four, oh. verses three and four. So it says, it is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. So that was the verse. Hmm. Which doesn't even specific, like, doesn't even explicitly say, like, anything about, like, premarital sex or virginity. It just says sexual immorality, which, um, obviously, like, can be be interpreted so many different ways, depending on, one, this is also, I read it from the NIV because I specifically remember Silver Ring thing giving out NIV Bibles, so that's why I read it, but, I mean, so many different verses or so many different versions of the Bible probably use different verbiage. And just, again, even when looking at the context of first Thessalonians, like who it was written for, why it was written, the original language it was written in, like, that's such a, that's such a weird verse to pick. I think. And especially because all these men had all these wives, like you're telling me that they were pure. (laughs) They got to sleep with hundreds of women. That's not fair. Uh, they didn't have purity rings i'll tell you that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i think the other thing too of like purity culture never so okay i I think this is like this is something that always confuses me of so i was i think i was confused of was purity culture i mean this is just my own personal thoughts of like purity culture to me felt more it was more about like not getting pregnant, not getting an STD, not having sex, then it really like controlling my body. Like then it really was about the heart of Jesus and the heart of the heart of like, why do we believe this? What does this mean for me as a woman of God? What does it mean as a man of God? And especially for something like silver ring thing that is it travels across the country. And I know for a fact that because I, one of the videos I watched today was at like a public high school. Like they presented this, not just to churches, like they did it at high schools. (laughs) And so they're, they're using this as like evangelism also, because I also remember like, yeah, they wanted you to take a purity pledge, but they also always did the, if you don't know God tonight, like everybody Mm -hmm. close your eyes and let's raise our hands. And so, so here's the thing. They, they never taught, they never like, it was always don't have sex, like sex or abstinence is the only way they never spoke about like um what do you call it comprehensive sexual education so right and so so one of the things that they did which again i think they really they were rooted in scare tactics is do you remember the do you remember the wheel like the wheel of trouble oh gosh now i do (laughs) okay so it was this wheel it looked like it looked like the wheel of fortune wheel and the smallest little sliver of the wheel said you're okay. Nothing bad happened. And then a big chunk of the wheel says you got pregnant. And then, and then the other part of the wheel was a bunch of smaller sections, but they were all like STDs. And like, they would pick somebody from the audience and like spin the wheel. And they were like, this is what happens when you have sex. Like you're taking the risk, you're taking a gamble. And like, now as an adult, I'm just like, okay, yeah, like that's the risk and the gamble because you're not teaching kids to be smart. Like you're not teaching them to be safe. And what you're teaching is this is the only way. And if you don't Mm. choose to be abstinent, then you're going to have sex and you're going to have a bad consequence, which I will be the first to say like sex has consequences. Like, don't get me wrong. Like don't hear that. I don't think that sex has consequences, Mm. but like 
if you teach if you teach children comprehensive sexual education, you teach them about condoms and other contraceptives, you teach them about STDs, not in a scare tactic way, but in a legitimate scientific, like, these are the statistics, like, this is what happens. These are the treatments, like, it makes them have an informed decision. Yes. Because let me tell you, if I learned the statistics of STDs and like what really happens when you get an STD, that would have been in the back of my mind when my boyfriend right. was like, hey, what are you doing? Not being like, right. oh man, like I could get pregnant, but like I also couldn't, you know, like, mm, I don't know. And like, we <laughs> exactly. Like, I don't know. Like, I just think, and again, like there are studies that have proven that comprehensive sexual education has delayed sexual debut because people are more informed. Yes. I feel like with the abstinence only, it's kind of like people because they don't have that education. They're like, well, it seems kind of like something risky that I want to try. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. Like how is giving people more information going to damage them? I don't understand. (laughs) I, what I, The argument that I always heard was if you, if you teach kids about condoms or if you give them access to condoms, it's like giving them permission to have sex, which I just, I just thought was, which was wild. Oh my, (laughs) interesting. (laughs) And like, I don't know, like, again, I think it, okay. So all of this leading up to you, you make this purity pledge, you, right are scared to freaking death of like premarital sex. And then um, this is where it gets more personal, just being totally upfront and honest. Like I did not wait until I was married Mm -hmm. to have sex and I lost my virginity in high school and I still wore my purity ring because if I took it off, it was basically telling the whole world that I had sex. Wow. Um, And I had a lot of shame and guilt of fast forward to, I, I meet my now husband who mm-hmm. he was a virgin when we met mm-hmm. and I had so much shame and guilt to work through because of, even though, even though at that point I was, I was in college, I mm-hmm. had done so much, like not even just theological research, but just research in general about like the human brain and like autonomy and learning to make your own choices. And again, like right. informed consent and right. all of this stuff. And so I, it's one of those things where your brain knows, like my brain tells me you have nothing to be ashamed of, but your body carries trauma. And so having these these difficult conversations of like, I remember breaking down in tears in my freaking APU apartment with me and Jack, Jack was my boyfriend at the time and sobbing because I was like, I, I don't feel worthy. Like I feel so ashamed Mm. that like, you waited and whether, and again, like, even if of just like, I don't know, some people wait because they want to other people wait just because yeah. that's just how, just how life goes. You know what I mean? But exactly. having uh-huh. this immense guilt of like, I'm unworthy. I am dirty. Like I am not lovable the same way you are. Like you have more inherent value than I do. And yeah. honestly, praise God that my husband is so, my husband is a feminist and obviously he uh-huh. worked, he worked against that. And he straight up was yeah. like, I just remember him being like, who told you that mm. you weren't worthy of my love or who told what? you you were less than. And I'm like, I don't know if anybody specifically flat out said Spencer, like you're worthless or you don't, you don't have this value, mm. but it was packed on. And again, yeah. like I, uh, no. 
little messages of that. Yeah, and I and I'm not saying that like having I I don't know like I'm not saying having premarital sex is right or wrong. Like a lot mm-hmm. of people disagree and agree. Like I am. Right. A, I don't know. I'm still working through that. Um, but yeah. I will admit, like yeah, like. I definitely like made choices in, in college and even in, in high school that I wish I didn't, mm-hmm. but there's also like, there's also like, there's also choices I made that were informed consent. And I mm-hmm. was in a very loving relationship and I don't, that wasn't with my husband and I don't necessarily feel guilty about those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, even though the church for a long time told me I should. And so right. fast forward now I'm married to my husband. Um, I don't know. I feel like your local youth pastor would be like, we have a great sex life because we're married. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's just, I don't know. Again, I just am so grateful for him that I, I worked through these cycles of like, oh my gosh, I'm so unworthy, but that wasn't the truth. And for someone like you, Bethany, like you're single, you're navigating sort of post, Mm -hmm. post purity culture, like when you think of things like dating or like getting married, like uh-huh. how does that, how does that impact the deconstructing this purity culture to now? Like how does that impact yeah. the way you view dating, especially in our culture, dating apps? Like, I know those are taboo. <laughs> um, I think for me, it's still like working through, like just cause I was always taught like taught to the extreme of like, you should only kiss your husband. Like, that's what I was taught. Um, like the Duggars basically. Um, and just taught that like, every time you do something with somebody that's not your husband, it's like giving it away to someone else and you can never get it back. So I think that's been the hardest thing for me is just being like, you know, what decisions am I going to make for myself? and not worry about like, okay, this is what purity culture taught me, or like, this is what shame taught me, but like, this is myself. I get to make this decision. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm definitely like still working through that, but yeah, it's hard because every time you think about like, for me, any, any, anyway, it's like, every time I think about anything like that, it just brings so much shame still. And like, I'm still working through it. So thanks purity culture. Um, (laughs) but yeah, it, it's still, it still is a struggle for me today. So that's where I'm at. (laughs) Dude, I feel that. I mean, I remember in college having Mm -hmm. to deal with the effects of purity culture and being the type of woman that was not interested in dating in college. Yeah. Um, But still having like these natural human instincts and urges or whatever. Yeah. And at some point I just felt the need to like say, fuck it. I'm just gonna go through my quote-unquote hoe phase now Mm -hmm. like I can't just sit here and live with this shame Mm -hmm. like I had to go through this really weird process of getting rid of my shame through doing exactly the opposite of what purity culture taught me Mm. I wore what I wanted which granted I'm still pretty modest because again I like to be comfy I like to be comfy right um but also like I had my booty calls I did things that like my parents if they listen to this will probably kill me or whatever I didn't enter into my marriage as a virgin and Uh on this side of things like I don't care and my partner doesn't care either like Mm -hmm. I and I'm not saying that everybody needs to go through this whole phase right I mean people need to deconstruct on their own and their own ways (laughs) but feeling like I had to do that like I had to rewind the clock and say you know what no 
I don't have to be a virgin when I get married. And that doesn't make Mm -hmm. me any less worthy or valuable or loved Mm -hmm. by the creator. Like I don't have to be ashamed of what I've done in the past, because Mm -hmm. if you marry a good guy or girl or person, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. Right. And I I think think that that just goes back to the, the message being taught that like you are only reduced to sex. Like Spencer was talking about earlier of like, when you get married, like that's a, basically the only gift that you're giving to your spouse. And it's like, what about like who you are as a person and like all these other things? Like, why is that the biggest? Yeah. Thing? Like, damn, I make my partner's life way more interesting than yeah. it would have been otherwise. <laughs> God damn. Exactly. <laughs> it's more than that and obviously i'm not married so like i don't know but i feel like there's a lot more than that so well and i exactly like you said like and i think you know this this can be controversial to people but the truth is like like we as human beings you can go have sex with whoever the hell you want like that's you can do whatever you want but you will not be fulfilled the same way as if you're in a if you're in a relationship so like like jack and i like like I, like you said, I bring so much more to his life and he brings so much more to my life than sex. And like, God forbid, like if something happened and for whatever reason we can never have sex again, like, yeah, that would suck, but that wouldn't, that would not break our marriage because we're so much more than that. And I think, I think the sad thing is, I think a lot of people in the church think that anti like the opposite of purity culture they're like hookup culture like oh mm-hmm. you don't want to you don't want to be pure you don't want to do this like you're just going to hook up and do all this stuff but i don't think that's the case either because i again like i would never shame somebody for their sexual activities but for me personally mm-hmm. like hookup culture is not where it's at like that is not what i wanted i don't think that's what god intended either i think god is, i think it's really in the middle i think it's a, a healthy sexual ethic and really knowing your body knowing your spirit being in tune with god and i think there's room for both i think there's room for teaching your children like hey like because here's the thing i don't think teenagers should be having sex they mm-hmm. shouldn't be they're cognitively not developed enough to understand the ramifications of sex and so <laughs> I don't Uh think teenagers should be having sex, but that does not mean I'm going to promote purity culture in a youth group setting. I'm (laughs) going to teach them comprehensive sexual education. And I'm going to, I'm going to just, I'm going to tell them the truth. Like, look, here's the deal. You shouldn't be having sex because you're honestly not mature enough for that. And if you think I'm wrong and you just want to do what you want to do, then you're going to have to live with the consequences, but I'm also going to support you through those consequences. Uh But you need some condoms, kiddo here. Here you go. But again, like as an adult, like if I, you know, I have, I have Christian friends that are, that are single and that are Mm -hmm. still virgins. But if they called me up tonight and said, I got drunk in a bar and I had sex with some guy, I am not going to be like, Oh my God, I can't believe you did that. I'm going to be like, how does that make you feel? Like, how do you feel mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically? Are you taken Mm -hmm. care of? Like when you plan B exactly, like I'm going to take care of their needs and including their spiritual needs, but meeting their spiritual needs does not, they don't need a lecture. And I think that's it. No, that's a problem. No one needs that. Yes. And I think that's the other thing too, of again, going back to, if it's a teenager, if a teenager makes a mistake and they, they're telling you, like they have the bravery to share that with you or anything, or even if you're a parent and you freaking find out some other way, like there's so many, there's so much that you're that they need to be taken care of and a lecture mm-hmm. is not it. And some sort of no. like, <laughs> Oh my God, like, I can't believe you did this. Like, 
I don't know. I just think about in college, I was in a relationship that ended really badly. Mm-hmm. And my, you know, my, my friends for a while told me like, oh, maybe you shouldn't be dating him. And when I like, like when it, things ended, like things were just really messy and they weren't like, mm, I told you so, you know what they did? They freaking took care of me. They took care yeah. of my physical, my emotional, my spiritual needs. And there was no shame in it. And I think yeah. that, I think that is what we really need to get back into the center of this purity culture of modesty and sex. And what is God's design? I can guarantee you that God's design does not include shame because nope. you know what? <laughs> too often we hear stories of, of people that did it right. Specifically women, like we're told, we're told our whole life, sex is bad. And then all of a sudden you get married and it's supposed to be like super awesome and super holy and like all of this stuff. And there are so many stories of women that kind of like you said, Bethany, of women that grew up like, well, like we didn't kiss till our wedding day, or maybe they mm-hmm. got, maybe they didn't kiss till they were engaged or like side right. hugs, like very minimal contact. And then all of a sudden they get married and they have to go from zero to 100 right. in the span of eight hours. Yes. And, and when you're told your whole life that something is bad, all of a sudden you say some magic words and a pastor signs a paper and you're like, okay, let's get naked. Like, no, <laughs> that's not, yeah. not going to work. And, and it's so sad, but I, I've read, um, you know, I've read like personal stories and I mean, I'm pretty sure I read one of them, like in relevant magazine about mm-hmm. a woman that grew up in the heart of purity culture, yeah. did everything right, got married and like literally could not have sex on her wedding night because her mm-hmm. body was filled with so much trauma of like, right. this is bad. And like had to go to therapy by herself and marriage counseling wow. for months. Like her and her husband had to work through this because there was so much shame surrounding sex. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that, yeah, that because is it. That sex itself is shameful until you get married. But even then it's like, mm, I don't know. Like, well, and even just sort of like the, I don't know. I don't know if, if this was ever told you, but I remember mm-hmm. one time <laughs> sitting in like a Bible study. I think I was like a sophomore or a junior and a girl in my Bible study asked her Bible study leader, like, so when you get married, like, is any kind of sex? Okay. And she's like, what do you mean? She's like, you know, like is oral sex. Okay. When you're married or like is anal sex. Okay. With you're married. And our like Bible study leader was just like dumbfounded. She was like, um, listen, uh, boys have one part and girls have another and they fit together a certain way. And I think it should stick like that. And I just heard me like, what the frick is happening? That sounds like a boring sex life to me. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I think it's, okay. It's again, it's even things like that of like, like Bethany said, like when, even when you get married, there's, there's this weird, like, well, yeah, it's like holy and it's good, but only up to a certain point. <laughs> Oh, I don't and know. And only if you want to be having children too. Right, right. No. Yeah. Don't even bring up the whole birth my, control situation. My freshman year of college, a girl in our dorm, like in her room, she she made the sign that said no procreation until after graduation. What? Wait, what? what? And I like I just remember being like, okay, I don't I don't okay. Goodbye. All right. <laughs> Interesting thoughts. <laughs> but yeah, oh I, I, I mean, you said it. I'm just like, even even birth control is taboo. Are you kidding me? Like, oh, I'm no. yeah. I went on birth control last year, literally for my acne, and I was like, oh no, I'm on birth control. Like that's so bad. Then I was like, wait, but it's Bethany, not even Bethany, you like, whore. <laughs> 
that's literally how I felt though. And I was like, oh my gosh, what if somebody sees it and like thinks that's why, you know what I mean? Like that's mm-hmm. what through my head. This is like, it's a problem. <laughs> well, and, and even just like, it, you know, it sounds counterintuitive, but like there's women with like PCOS, for example, like PCOS can cause infertility. So yeah. women, women take birth control to yeah. to treat their PCOS, which can right. help their fertility in the long run. Mm. And so I'm like, just to imagine being shamed because you have a medical condition that you're trying to treat and people right. Mm, you shouldn't be doing that because, and this is something like, I just, we're going to talk about the Duggars because they're just fascinating to me, but they don't believe in hormonal birth control because they're afraid it'll cause an abortion. And, okay. and I, and again, like there are some instances, you know, where like, if you don't realize, cause you can still get pregnant when you're taking like hormonal birth control, the pill yep. or whatever. And there yeah. are some instances, yeah, where you get pregnant and you keep taking the pill and it can cause complications but those yeah. are so few and far between and such mm. an extreme example that I'm just like, they got y'all, you got how many kids? Like some of these girls probably got some ovarian cysts that freaking hurt. Give them some birth control. Right. Or like problems with their periods or, you know, there's yes. so many things to help with. Like it's not just for preventing pregnancy. And even if you are using it for that, like good for you. Like <laughs> Yeah. I mean, my mom, when I first started taking birth control, I take birth control because I have uterine issues where I pass trigger warning for all you who don't like periods. I pass massive blood clots. I would pass Uh massive blood clots every month. My periods were a week long. First four days were super heavy. I'm anemic. So I'd be passing out all over the place. Mm -hmm. And when my mom refused to let me be on any type of birth control. And then when I was on it, she said, well, is your issue fixed now? And I was like, I mean, yeah, the birth control helps. Then she's like, all right, then if you're cured. You can just get off of it. Wow. She's like, you're just giving yourself permission to be a whore. I mean, she didn't say whore <laughs> because she doesn't speak English, but she implied it. Wow. <laughs> okay. I've literally, okay. I've literally heard of that though. Of like, wow. especially when I was at APU and like just hearing again, I, count myself very blessed that I joined Christian culture later in life. Cause I got to skip over a lot of crazy things, but You're lucky. <laughs> just hearing horror stories of like people being yeah. like, yeah, like I remember my sister was in high school and like kind of similar to Josie, like she had really a terrible period. So my mom mm-hmm. went and we got her birth control and like my aunt telling her like, you're just giving her permission to have sex. Like, I can't believe oh, you would do that. And I'm just like, what the heck do what? people really think like that? <laughs> Like, no, like maybe some people actually have medical conditions that that helps as well. Like, mm-hmm. and damn, it's none of your goddamn business, everybody. Yes. What do you care? That, that, that's okay. That's something that Josie and I talk about a lot of like when you get married, like it sounds <laughs> when you get married, people ask you about kids a lot, which is just a really weird way of asking you about your sex life. <laughs> Wow, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, are you having consistent sex with your spouse in order to procreate and shove something out of your vagina? <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Yeah, why do people think they can ask? I never understood that. Again, I'm not married, but it makes me uncomfortable when people are like, oh, are you guys trying, like, going up to a couple, are you guys trying for a kid? I'm like, send your business. Also, some people can't have kids. So like, leave them alone, you know? And there, mm-hmm. again, there's just so many situations of like, 
God, imagine asking somebody like, oh my gosh, are you trying to have a baby? And like literally that morning found out that like they're infertile or they had a miscarriage or like- You have no idea what's going on in their life. Yeah, like, like so many things where I'm just like, and again, and again, I think there is there is some sort of different of like, like my best friend, like will jokingly be like, well, are you pregnant yet? Because I like mm-hmm. want a niece or nephew. Like that's yeah. totally different to me. Somebody, like, like you yes. have- the- rapport with them it's yes yeah, somebody so somebody that like fun. yeah like somebody that she would be one of the first people to know that's so different yes. than just like catching up with somebody like on Inst- like somebody on instagram being like oh, gosh like one time i so i posted a picture of like jack and my dog and being like oh my yeah. god i've never loved anybody so much and this okay. girl slid into my dms and was like wait till you have children and i just responded <laughs> if if i have children capital <gasps> if if i have yeah, children assume every single person in the world is gonna have kids and again like i i want children like please jesus i want children but it was just that thing it was just that moment where i'm like are you kidding me right now like i'm talking about how much i love my dog and you're gonna pull out like wait till you have kids like get out of (laughs) here stop yeah people a lot of especially like in christian culture people like put getting married and then having kids on this like huge pedestal especially for women women and it's really hard to like fit in in church if you're not married and or don't have kids because it's like that's where your worth comes from as a woman which it should not but that's what's implied in a lot of things yeah and it's just and i it's even like I don't know. I think about like the, so I think about like women, like volunteering in like a youth group, for example, like, I feel like when you're like young and you're in college and you're not dating or you're not married, you don't have kids. Like that's, that's fine. But like the older you get, people are like, well, like you're in the youth ministry, but like, or even just something like, I don't know, sometimes it's just super rude too. of like, you've never dated somebody. So how are you going to give advice to a teenager about dating? Like that just seems super rude because, (laughs) because listen up, like male youth pastor, you have no idea what it's like to be a woman yet. You want to tell me all day long how to dress my body. So very true. Very (laughs) true. Yes. Yeah, everybody, I guess the moral of the story is mind your business. Don't look at <laughs> don't look at us. Don't, don't tell us what to do. Mind your business. <laughs> Amen. Oh, Bethany, it was dope talking to you. Thanks. You should come nice. back for part two where we go even deeper. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm ready. <laughs> Talk some more shit on my behalf. <laughs> Bethany, do you have any final thoughts? before yes. we sign off uh yeah mind your business and uh purity culture sucks yeah mind your business <laughs> yeah. new catchphrase everybody mind, mind your business, business. Yeah. oh gosh do you have anything you want to plug bethany any your instagram Twitter? um i mean you can follow me on instagram i think i have like 200 followers so i'm pretty big deal on there (laughs) um at bethany geringer if you want to follow me on twitter which is where i post lots of oh hell yeah (laughs) uh lots of weird opinions about uh politics and or christian culture my uh what is it called your at i don't know your handle my handle is uh lobotomized liberal so you can follow me there (laughs) uh isn't that what your uncle calls you (laughs) yeah so it's uh taken from my extremely conservative uncle who's always talking about the lobotomized libs 
And so I decided to uh, take it on as my name on Twitter. So Relatable. Yeah. <laughs> well, everybody, you can find us as usual on Instagram at speaking in church. Uh, you can email us speaking in church at gmail.com. Uh, Twitter as at speaking church. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at uh, Spencer Rose. And you can also find me on Twitter at snowball underscore. And I am also on Instagram at Josie takes the world and on Twitter at Josie takes the, I know world just the, I'm also a crazy liberal on Twitter. So beware. Amen. Crazy uh, liberals. <laughs> fair warning. Uh, my Twitter is just uh liberal christian memes and me posting about being sad so uh, 2020 2020 baby all right everybody we love you jesus loves you stay woke or get woke mind bye. your business mind your business <laughs> bye bye You didn't think I was going to let you get away with the uh, without giving you the, the good old modern plugs, right? The modern day plugs. Well, I mean, most stuff has stayed the same. Speaking at church on Instagram, um, you can find everything there. Josie takes the world personally. Don't bother Spencer, okay? Unless you already know her, then feel free to bother her and tell you I sent her. You. Sent her. You. Whatever. Um, anyways, um, if you're feeling generous... Buy some merch. That's on our Instagram. That's pretty much it for the modern day plugs. Uh, I'm going to say it again because in this season of Christian nonsense, uh, get woke or stay woke. Stay woke or get woke. I don't even remember what order I usually say it in. All right, whatever. Bye. This has been an irreverent media podcast.